you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 22. So the big question is this, how do parents like us know that we aren't messing up the biggest role of our lives, especially when we happen to have a strong-willed child that's constantly pushing our buttons? We've all heard that kids don't come with a manual, so how can we know for sure that we're saying the right things or that we're getting this parenting thing right? Well, on this podcast for parents of toddlers to teens, we'll be giving you real tools you can use right away so that your kids will feel like they can talk to you about absolutely anything and everything. My name is Randy Rubenstein and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. Julia um, is married. She describes her husband as being a great father. She has got an eight-year-old, very um, strong-willed, funny, smart, impulsive uh, little boy. And um, so he's going, what, into third grade? Into third grade, correct. And, um, And you said he's impulsive. He's super affected by lack of sleep, hunger, and sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, which... That's the case with all children. We will just say that whether we're recognizing it or not, it's just our strong-willed ones or our ones with the sensitive nervous systems. It's more obvious, but we're also going to just identify that that is normal. It's just more obvious. They're like our truth barometers. You know, these strong-willed ones, that's why I say they're the true change agents because they, they are like, okay, everything is magnified when it comes to me, but it's actually the truth for everyone. So I think our strong-willed ones, like they're the ones who are the whistleblowers on teachers that are not engaging because they act up in their class. They act up in the teacher's teacher's classes who are not engaging. But shocker, they're awesome in the amazing teacher's classes who are engaging, right? And so they act up more with lack of sleep and sugar and all those things. But the truth is, is that all kids sort of suck when they don't have enough sleep or when they have too much sugar. Mm-hmm. They're just our total truth barometers. Okay. And then we've got um, a younger brother and he's five and he, of course, lives for his older brother as all younger siblings seem to do. And he's compassionate, funny, and caring. And um, and you get worried that the older brother's behavior is rubbing off on him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Total common concern. So uh, what's your, and it's, and you know what? It's valid. It's a common concern and it's valid because this is what we know. What we know is that 
in the first seven years of life, and this is what neuroscience tells us, and if anybody is interested in studying more about it, I encourage you to look up Dr. Bruce Lipton. He's a total goofball. Um, like, you're not going to believe that he's like a cellular biologist because he is literally so goofy in these interviews, but I think he's hilarious. And, um, and he studies something called epigenetics. And the thing that I have learned from Dr. Lipton, and I've heard a lot of other people talk, you know, quote Dr. Lipton, is that uh, it's fascinating to watch him and to hear his theories. But he's like, he's a cellular biologist. And what he talks about is that in the first seven years of life, our subconscious brains are being programmed. And so little children literally operate in what we call a state of theta. And, um, and so, and that's like the state that our, that's the brain state that we're in right before we fall asleep at night. And, uh, and so it's super interesting because they they're, they're almost like in this dreamlike state. Their subconscious is being programmed in the first seven years. As humans, we typically operate from that subconscious programming 95% of the time for the rest of our lives. Um, what we do here, my whole theory about mind mastery is that what we know, what, what, what people like Dr. Lipton have taught us is that we have the ability to retrain our subconscious programming. But we have to work to do it. And that's really what I focus on teaching people in the long run. That's why my parenting programs are different than I think a lot of other people is that I bring this mind mastery piece in, which is it's not enough to learn the new tools. We actually have to retrain our subconscious brains. And experts like Dr. Lifton have taught us these easy ways to do it that like regular people, regular moms like me and you can do it. And that's why like, I, I'm so fascinated by it and I'm so excited by it. And what he says is, is in those first seven years of life, our beliefs, our, our subconscious brains, our beliefs are literally programmed by the adults in our lives. Okay. So the teachers, the parents, the people that um, that shape us mm -hmm. and our older siblings. So it's legit that you're concerned that you got to figure out like eight-year-old, there's something to figure out there and there's a different way to manage him. And as long as he's acting out, younger brother is very much being affected and it is helping to form and shape his beliefs. And, okay, and the deal is, is that kids act out the way they feel on the inside. So these strong-willed kids are literally screaming, hey, mom, I need you to learn a different way. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, I am showing all of these nutso behaviors because I really need you to learn this new parenting conversation. And, and, and I'm going to continue acting out until it becomes so like, it's going to become so painful to be around me that you're going to be like, fine, I'll learn it. I'll learn it. If we, if you had your five-year-old first, I want you to know that, um, you wouldn't be drawn to come on a parenting podcast. You wouldn't be listening to parenting podcasts. You said, like I said, what have you tried before? Um, and, um, wait, hold on. You said, what have you tried before? Um, 
you've tried um, using more empathy, you've tried positive reinforcement, um, you've tried you've learned you've tried spankings, you've tried timeouts, you've write-offs, nothing has worked. You've been trying stuff, right? Like mm -hmm. you've been searching for the right method. If if you had your five-year-old, if he was your oldest one, chances are you just do whatever was done for you when you were growing up because that's with our, with our easy kids. It's like that old stuff works. It works right. Air quotes. But when the challenging ones are presented to us first, it's what propels us to learn a new and different way. If I, I always say if my, if my younger two had been, if the birth order was reversed, everything would be different right? Because they would have just gotten with the program. And even though I always said, oh, I'm going to do things different than the way I was raised, I really wouldn't have because I wouldn't have been forced to. Right. So that's what these strong-willed ones do. Okay. So um, you said your biggest challenge was I'm frustrated a lot by my kids not listening to me unless I raise my voice. And um, unless I raise my voice, um, and I'm also frustrated by them not being kind to each other. Um, I think there's a lot of sibling rivalry felt by my older son. What a shock. Because you know what? He's the more difficult one. <laughs> yep. So, of course, he sees that his younger brother is easier. And what do we know? Like, if we're just being really honest, you guys, do we enjoy our easier kids more? <laughs> yeah, it's true. We do because we're human and they're easier and they're more enjoyable. And when our strong-willed ones are screaming, hey, the way you're, you're doing things, mom, is not working for me, they're not that enjoyable. They're not enjoyable at all. Does it mean we don't love them? No, we always love them. But they're not that enjoyable. So the strong-willed ones see us enjoying the younger sibling or the, other, or the sibling that is more is easier and is more enjoyable mm -hmm. and then they get jealous of sibling because we enjoy them more but we're just human and they are more enjoyable yeah. right and then we beat ourselves up because we're like okay i don't want to hurt a hard you know challenging kids strong-willed kids feelings because i enjoy sibling more but the truth is, is i do yeah yeah it's true it's I feel that way. Um, and I feel like I just can't figure out, we've tried to do one-on-one -on -one time. Like we alternate bedtime where, you know, my husband will have one one night the next night. So we have like a good hour each night of just one-on-one -on -one time with each kid. And I can, I know that helps. And I know when we are real intentional about that, that's, that's what he wants. He wants one-on-one -on -one time directed. Um, but the, the challenge is, and I'm, I just listened to your today about how timeouts don't work and we've been doing room time forever. Like, and it just kind of clicked today that that, that's social seclusion, exclusion, and how bad that is. And we've just been doing that. And it is like a form of shaming, it seems like. So we're trying to, I liked your calm corner that I heard in the podcast today, uh -huh. but also what to do when he hurts. Mm -hmm. And you had a great, you said, um, oh, you have to go to bed 15 minutes earlier if you are not in charge of your body. You're not being kind. And that is one of the rules. Um, it's hard to be empathetic to him when he does do something mean to his brother. Because I'm a second sibling my sister was really mean to me. So I'm always taking up for the younger one. And it's just, I've got to find a consequence for when he does hurt his brother. 
because it well, happens a lot. Okay, so so um, so there's a couple of things here, and so we're just gonna we're gonna laser in on the most important things. Okay. okay. Um, there is a tool I teach. I teach a whole workshop on it. I think I'm gonna offer it soon because I know a lot of people are hungry for it. Um, and it's a sibling rivalry tool. It's called the mediation tool. And it's about really how to step in as a mediator. And the number one thing that I teach in it that I'm going to teach, I'm going to leave you with right now. When he hurts his younger brother, tell me just like, so you walk in and like a typical scenario would be you walk into what? Screaming, crying, like what's happening? Both like they'll rough house and hurt. Um, which that's, I know that's normal boy stuff, but like an example the other day, um, they were on the swing, you know, you spin one around and the younger brother's getting spun too much. And Bennett's, my son is about to let go of the swing. And my youngest one is crying and screaming, don't do it, don't do it. And he's just laughing. Like he knows he's scaring his brother and he's just laughing that his younger brother is crying and afraid. Okay. So you walk laughing. Okay. So you walk into that situation and what's your, what do you, what do you immediately do? Stop about he does not want you to do that you need to stop doing what you're doing you're right. afraid you're scaring your brother okay so the number one thing the number one mistake we all make is we go to the aggressor instead of the victim mm-hmm. and what we focus on grows so when we focus on the hurting the hurting growth because we're putting all of our attention like our kids they don't care if we're giving them our positive or negative attention all attention is attention from mama the star of the show okay so when we go and we constantly you know you said he wants the one-on-one time at night he craves that he loves it he loves that attention Mm -hmm. he hurts younger brother he gets all of mama's attention. We go in, we tell them what not to do, what to stop. We give them the lecture. We tell him, you know, the whole mm-hmm. thing. And we put all of our energy onto the hurting and the hurting continues to grow. And it's like Groundhog Day. It repeats and it repeats and it repeats. And what we've got actually is a pattern where he has learned this pattern of behavior to get lots of mama's attention. And it involves being unkind and hurting younger siblings. Super common. Yeah. So, so the number one pattern disrupt we do as moms, as mediators, and this is what I teach moms all the time is we... I'll teach you the mediation tool and you only have to do the tool a couple of times because eventually what happens is, is, is our kids get with the new program and they start to resolve the conflicts on their own. The mediation tool really is this beautiful conflict resolution tool. I don't have time to teach it now because it's like a whole hour long workshop. Okay. But it's a conflict resolution tool. What it does is it, it trains our kids to practice resolving conflicts that they are going to have out in life with their siblings and it turns this whole sibling relationship into this amazing training ground for learning how to resolve conflicts. So we stop seeing sibling fighting as this thorn in our side and this big obstacle that is keeping us from having the family that we've always wanted. Mm -hmm. And instead we see it as, Oh, well this is what siblings are supposed to do because they need to learn how to resolve conflicts in life. And the perfect place to learn how to do that is with your sibling. And, you know, and so we start to see it differently. But what I'm going to tell you is the number one change pattern disrupt I want you to start when the boys are fighting is you go victim first. 
Okay. You go, and, and it's pretty obvious. Sometimes it's not as obvious. And let me just tell you, it takes two to tango. So <laughs> we're, we're usually not seeing that younger sibling has maybe, you know, like been bugging the whatever of old, you know, right. walking by and poking them and trying to get his attention and doing something. And then older siblings like, all right, enough of you. I'm going to, now I'm really getting you back. So <laughs> usually there's, there's, there's more to the story. Um, and I, that's what I kind of walk you through and teach you kind of how to mm -hmm. investigate and uncover that. Um, but in the meantime, when it's super obvious, I want you just to go victim first. Don't even talk, focus on that behavior. Don't even focus on older brother. You see him swinging, swinging, swinging on the, on the tire. You walk in, you stop the tire. You don't even use your words. You grab younger sibling. You hear that he's upset. You take him off, the, you remove him from it. You get him, you get him in your lap and you say, you didn't like that very much. Were you feeling dizzy? Were you? You know, you wanted to get off. It was fun at first. And then you kind of were like, this isn't fun anymore. Get me right. off. You wanted to get off. You focus a hundred percent on the healing rather than the hurting. Okay. Mm, we're putting, all, we're putting all of our energy into the healing. Now, older brother is used to getting a lot of bang for his buck. Mama attention wise, when it comes to hurting or upsetting younger sibling, so chances are he's going to be thrown all off kilter that you're not giving him your attention and you're going to have to truly tune him out and give all your attention to younger brother before you go there, mm -hmm. before you go to him and you talk about like what was going on for him. We're not even, we don't have time to go into all that, but what I want to say is, is even just pattern disrupting and going to the healing versus the hurting victim first, that'll be huge for you. That's good. Okay. okay. Um, the other thing I want to say is, um, okay. So you said, um, I don't want to feel frustrated all the time. Um, and and you feel defeated after you're, you know, after you, after you lose it, after you have these moments where I say it's falling into the parent gap, mm -hmm. where we find ourselves doing things before we weren't going to do, we weren't going to yell, we weren't going to do all these things that we hated as a kid. And then we find ourselves repeating that pattern. And, um, and going back to Bruce Lipton, it's because that pattern is strong. Okay. That it is, it's in your, I mean, 95% of the time we operate from those subconscious programs. And so we don't even realize how strong these patterns are. So number one, the first place, the first area is awareness. And you're aware when you're, when you're doing the things that you swore you weren't going to do, you're aware. I want, just want you to know that is step one to changing a pattern and it's actually the hardest step. Most people live life not self-aware and they're unaware when they're even doing something. So just the fact that you're aware, I just want you to celebrate that for a minute, okay? <laughs> the second thing I want you to realize is um, you say, my biggest fear is that my son is going to grow up, my older son's going to grow up and be defiant and disrespectful. And when he's a teen and he's bigger than me, it's going to be a real problem. Mm -hmm. So we got to get this behavior under control. Okay. Yeah. So I get it. All that says to me is that you feel out of control 
And the, and the reason why you yell is because that's the only way you can kind of get back into the driver's seat and, and get them to listen to you. Is that? Mm-hmm. And that's what, we're, that's what I've taught them is that, you know, that's when they really listen is when I raise my voice. So, yeah. And you, right. That's exactly right. So you've created that pattern. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, and we do this. This is super common. We're like, I can't get them to listen until I yell. But what we've actually trained them do, to do is not to listen until we yell. Yeah. Right? Because, and, and, and where this all goes to is you feel out of control and you're worried about when he actually becomes a teenager and he's physically bigger than you. Because like right now, he's, he's still dependent. He's a still, still a dependent little kid and he's not physically bigger, but we know what happens in the teenage years. They get bigger than us. They get more independent and, um, and they have more control. And so you're like, okay, I feel out of control right now, but at least I've got like adulthood and size on my side. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when that's gone? All that is, is an indication that you're like, I I'm, I'm clearly not in control here. That's all what I call pack leadership energy. And, um, and so as moms, this is what I'll say. And I think, and and y'all are going to see, this is going to go into, this is going to be a theme that carries into Brooke's session and into Jill's session. This is the common denominator for most of us. We are put in this position of being the cap the pack leaders of our little pack, our little team, our little family team. And unfortunately, as women, we were programmed with a communication style that is anything but assertive and direct. And, you know, what a pack leadership really needs to communicate in a way that the pack feels safe, they feel protected, they feel like they can respect you, they feel safe in the world, they feel grounded. So we've been trained with a communication style that we ne- we don't want to sound like a bitch, you know? And if you think of what like the ultimate pack leader is, like think about the mama dog. What is she called? What is her name? Right? Like, <laughs> like she like we she's a bitch. But if we're called a bitch, God forbid, it's like the worst thing in the world. But then we're placed in these families, in this modern world, where we need to know how to lead our pack. And all this new age parenting mumbo jumbo is telling us that we need to lead our pack and we're not supposed to yell at them or spank them, (laughs) right? (laughs) So we're like, well, what do I do? How do I lead my pack? And that's exactly what your issue is. And that's what all of our issue is, which is I need to lead my pack by learning how to truly communicate in this assertive, direct and loving way. And it's like, if you imagine the mama dog, like think about the mama dog when she's got her little pups all with her and she's feeding them and she's nurturing them and she's keeping them warm. But then two of them decide to get rowdy And they get all rough and tumble. Does she show her fangs and act like they're like, like she's a predator in those moments? No, she like noses them. She's like, knock it off you. You know, she's direct. (laughs) She's firm. She doesn't scream and, and become a predator towards them. She just tells them to knock it off in a direct way. That's 
that's the point. That's what it is. And this is the thing is that I want you to continue listening to the podcast. I want you to know that in the next month, from now until basically, like mostly in the month of August, I am working on a lot right now, and I am going to have a lot of resources for you guys to fully step into this pack leadership energy and to learn this direct way of communicating with our little people. And I'm going to leave you with one thing to stop doing in terms of talking, in terms of learning how to communicate as a pack leader. That is, I want you to stop saying okay at the end of a sentence <laughs> i want you to stop and i talk about this i think it's the next week's podcast so as y'all will hear i repeat myself often because it takes a while for this stuff i mean we've had these programs for a long time in our brains we have to listen to this stuff over and over again to fully comprehend it um when you say okay at the end of a command it sounds like a request so when we tell them to stop picking on the brother, when we tell them to take a bath, when we tell them to put on the shoes, when we tell them to turn off the TV, when we tell them to turn off the video games, and the first time we say it, because we don't want to sound like a bitch, the first time we say it, we're like, hey, bud, it's time to go. You guys, it's time to put on your shoes, so we're going to go to the pool. Time to go put on your bathing suits where, you know, you're all thinking you're going to be the greatest mom ever, taking them to the pool, taking them wherever. Hey, guys, go put on your bathing suits. And they're like vegged out watching the TV. And they, they it's a command, but it sounds like a request because we say, okay, and we say it in a sing-songy voice. And kids are very literal. And as long as it sounds like a request, they're going to keep doing whatever they were just doing. Because you're like, they're like, oh, you gave me a say in the matter. Not okay. I don't want to do that right now. I'm just going to ignore you. Oh, and you've trained me that I get to ignore you until you start yelling. Yep. Okay. So we're going to disrupt. We're going to start disrupting that pattern right now with no more okays. It's just direct. It's time to go to the pool. In two minutes, we're walking out the door to go to the pool. Put on your, go get your bathing suits on, turn off the TV. I'll be in the car in two minutes. If you guys are wondering where I am, I'm in the car. We're going to the pool. That's the way it is. We say it directly. Mm -hmm. There's no okay. Okay. Yep. Um, so that and victim first. Focus on the healing, not the hurting. Those are the two things I hope you got from this little Good. laser session. Yeah, that's great stuff. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, I'm going to mute you, and I am going to move on now to Brooke. Thank you so much, Julia. It was great. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Mm -hmm. Okay, Brooke. Hi. Hi. You ready? I am. Let's do it, Mama. Yeah. Okay, so Brooke um, is tired. <laughs> she described herself as tired. Um, but parenting little kids is freaking tiring. That's what I'm going to tell you. And Brooke has a fiery little three-year-old and I have an almost three-year-old niece. So even though my kids are a lot older, um, sometimes every once in a while I keep my niece and I love her to pieces and and I do this and I love little children and this is my passion. And when I have her for the afternoon, I am wiped afterwards. <laughs> yes. It's freaking exhausting. Okay. So Brooke's tired. She's creative. Um, 
uh, she's tired. Her, um, her husband is loving, fun, and quiet. Okay, so you're creative, tired, and kind. Your husband <laughs> is loving, fun, and quiet, and your daughter is three. She's fierce, she's active, and she's silly. Yes. And what are your two biggest challenges you're facing right now? You said work-life balance, finding time to do all the house cleaning, cooking, home tasks while not sacrificing family and dealing with tantrums because yeah. you know about three-year-olds, they live in their limbic system in their emotional <laughs> brains and that's what's most developed in their brains. And so they are prone to explosive tantrums that, I mean, it's, it's biology. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I said, what are you currently doing to improve the stress within your household? And um, you said, yeah, I'm using Montessori at home. I'm figuring out what to take off my plate, like house cleaner, bi-weekly, lots of time together, just playing less planned activities on the weekends. So you're trying to kind of simplify. Do you want yeah. to tell me, expand on that at all, if you have anything to say? So she seems to get really burned out fast. And she started to make a lot of comments of just wanting to be at home and wanting to be with us. And so we tried to kind of pour more into just her instead of, you know, we need to, I, I struggle with because I work on the weekends. Well, I want to take her to the zoo and I want to do this and I want to do this. She just wants to be with us and just wants to play with us. So we started to notice um, that it was more quality time if we just kind of spent more time, the three of us at home and playing and being outside and less having to go out and do everything we're invited to. And it seemed to um, help us a little uh, on the weekends, just be able to feel like at the end of the weekend, look back and, oh, we did, th that was really nice just to be at home together and spend that time together. Less is more. Yes. <laughs> I get it. And so with, with uh, going and going here and going there and the birthday parties and the plans and the zoo and the stuff. Yeah. Um, tell me what was your... There's a little bit of a clicking, do you? Oh, no. I can't hear it on my end. I'm sorry. Okay, though, that's okay. Um, yeah, just, yeah, there you go. Um, so, will you, um, do, do you know why you were running yourself ragged doing all those things? No, I think, I feel like it's something I have to do. I think um, the guilt of being away and working full time and having a pretty, I'm, pretty demanding job at times. I think I was putting in my head that I had to do this stuff or that's what she wanted or, you know, oh, we need to go to all the parties and do all the things. And it was just, I felt like I was, I just couldn't do it. It was so much. And I didn't feel like we had a lot of quality moments. And I feel like I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to do all of those things. So can we just celebrate for a second <laughs> the fact that you like you got the memo on your own. You were like, huh, I, my agenda is that I don't want my kid to suffer because I work. So on the weekends, I'm going to do all the stuff and I'm going to take all the good mom stuff off the list and we're going to go do all the fun stuff. But wait a minute, I've got this little person here <laughs> and she's telling me she doesn't want to do this stuff. She just yeah. wants to be with us. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you, you put your, you know, your whole like best mom ever agenda aside <laughs> and you actually yeah. listen to your kid. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. 
Like that's pretty big. <laughs> Thanks. It really is. And I just, I just, I just want you to celebrate that because, because that, that that's that awareness piece that I say is the hardest part. Yeah. You are self-aware enough and you're tuned into your kid enough that you did that. Thank you. Yeah. That is, I never thought of that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So, um, so then you says, you say, I feel like I'm spinning out of control. Sometimes it's hard to find techniques that work with my very intelligent and emotional three-year-old. I have a history of anxiety. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay. So anytime I hear anxiety and what I was just going to say to you is the fact that you took the time and it was in, it was instinctive for you to actually listen to your kid with all that you have going on. Yeah. Like I already, my brain was already going to, huh, this is an intuitive person here. No, thanks. <laughs> Do you, have you listened to any of my stuff on this, on the, um, on the sensitive nervous system? I've listened to some and I need to, it's on my, I, I have a summer list and I need to dive into that more because it, it's definitely hitting with where we are right now. <laughs> so my hunch is that, and, and I could be totally wrong, but my intuition is telling me that maybe you have a sensitive nervous system. Yeah, <laughs> I think <Right>. you're right. <laughs> so what, and, and so, so anybody that says to me that they have anxiety, it actually usually, it piques my curiosity in a good way because I usually think, oh, here's an intuitive person. People that that have anxiety, the world tells us not to feel. Yeah. And um, like when you go to a a doctor, a Western doctor, and you say like, I'm having all these feelings. They're like, God forbid you should have these feelings. (laughs) Let me put you on an antidepressant. Yeah. So, um, you know, because it's like, no, we're not supposed to feel. So what I want to say is, is um, people with anxiety, no matter how much our culture tells us not to feel, yeah, your body's like, screw you, I'm going to feel anyway. Yeah. So I already, my hunch is already going to the place of, you're an intuitive person. I want you to look into Elaine Aaron's work, A-R-O-N. She has this whole theory about um, highly sensitive people um, and how to start protecting your energy more. Okay. um, And really understanding the way you were born to be wired. Okay. Okay. That's going to be hugely important when it comes to your issue ultimately is the same issue that Julia had. It's pack leadership stuff. Mm -hmm. Your fiery little one, she's three. She's fiery. She's got opinions. And what she's saying to you is, Hey mom, I'm a little tiny person and I really need you to show up and help me to feel safe in the world. And I need you to step into that pack leadership energy. And I need you to start phrasing commands as commands and requests as requests and, um, and not dancing like a circus monkey to make me happy and, um, and not thinking that you need to be the perfect mom and the perfect, like you are, you already know, like, I, like getting the house cleaner and, um, and, and realizing that less is more. Mm. Do we need to have the perfect house? Do we need to ha- go to all this stuff? Does my kid need to go to the two birthday parties a day? Or do we need to go to the zoo? Or can we just go and pet the neighbor's dog? 
<laughs> and will my three-year-old think that that's like a great outlet for yeah. <laughs> um so you stepping into your pack leadership energy and if my hunch is right you are a highly sensitive person mm -hmm. it's it's doing it in a way where you truly protect your energy yeah and and as you do that more and as you study your own brain and who you were born to be and do the small things like celebrating your intuition yeah. and not labeling your anxiety as a detriment and instead learning how to see it truly as your superpower because it is. I love that. Um, your daughter will stop, you know, will start feeling more grounded herself Okay. And these tantrums, these tantrums are, <laughs> you know, she's a like, they're a little emotional beings and they're going to have okay. tantrums. Yeah. And the more she looks at, like the more she looks at confident, calm, pack leader, intuitive, highly sensitive person, mom, yeah. who's like, listen, babe, we've got this. <laughs> and you keep your calm and you keep your cool and you honestly know that you are less is more person and you look at her in her eyes and you're like, <sighs> and you breathe for her wow. and you do that thing that these, that, that sensitive people, intuitive people who step into their mm -hmm. confidence and own that piece of themselves know how to do, which is I know how to hold space for you. And I know how to be here for you. And I know how to have quality time with you. Like kids that get highly sensitive mothers who truly step into that pack leadership energy, they hit the freaking jackpot. Nice. Okay. Yeah. They did because you're like, less is more quality over quantity. Yeah. I am so happy being here in this household with you. And when you're upset, I know how to hold space for you. Like it's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that's so, powerful. Yeah. Okay. So do you have any questions for me about that? No, I think that's really good. And that, uh, I can't wait to dive into that, uh, sensitive, uh, highly sensitive stuff. I think that will really help me in all aspects, not just my parenting. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, it will. I mean, that's what I teach. I really teach personal development under yeah. the umbrella of parenting because it's like our biggest challenge right now are these strong-willed little people Yeah, and they're propelling us to learn new stuff that, yeah. you know, and, and new skills that are going to get us, that, that are going to affect every aspect of our yeah. life. Hey, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Mastermind Parenting Podcast is supported by my best-selling book, The Parent Gap. Usually getting a copy of the book and the audio version for you to listen to on the go would set you back around 20 bucks, but you can get both a digital copy and the audio book for just $5.60. It's my gift to you for being one of my podcast listeners. So head over to mastermindparenting.com forward slash book to grab your copy now.